You know, I know a lot of you have heard my testimony before, but for the sake of those that haven't, I want to share a piece of it because I'm going somewhere with it. Is that okay? It's 42 years ago. That's a long time, isn't it? Longer than a lot of you have even been on planet Earth. I was 21. And I had never heard the name of Jesus. That is really a sad thing. When you have never heard the name of Jesus and you're 21. But I remember being eight years old and starting to inquire if there was a God inside my own little heart. My dad had bought me a Bible for for my birthday, which I forgot about and didn't even realise until I was in my 20s. Because a lady at his work, who was a scripture teacher, hand up all the scripture teachers. I know Pastor Chris here. Oh, sorry, I never said hello to you. Stand up, honour you. Pastor Chris, huh? He's, he's He's incognito. No one knows he's here except it's being filmed. And um, he's on long service leave and he decided to come visit us. And they have a fantastic church in Narara, C3 Church in Narara. And Ruth's holding the fort, I heard. She'll be amazing. She's an amazing woman. So all the scripture teachers, hands up, or if you've taught scripture in schools. or And so my dad was a, a, a devout atheist. He'd been locked in cupboards by nuns when he was a little kid and and went, no no God is ever coming into this house, right? And he was a good drinker as well. Loved my dad, but he could could hold a few. And this time he, he, he was at work and this lady came up to him and said, your daughter, I've been dreaming about her. And he said, I've got six children. Which one? And she said, the middle one. And he said, Julie. He said, yeah, that's her, Julie. I've been, I've been dreaming about her. And the Lord says, you have to buy her a Bible. And he says to this lady, you're crazy. No Bible's coming into my house. And she harassed him every day. Did you buy Julie a Bible yet? God said, finally, she said to him, If you don't buy Julia Bible, you will answer to God himself. And he got the fear of God in him like the old nuns, right? (coughs) And so he bought me a Bible for my eighth birthday. So I started to read this Bible and a hunger started to develop in me. And I was talking to my little friend at school, in primary school, And I said, oh, I got a Bible for my birthday. And I was so excited about it because it had pictures in it. So I kind of could understand it. And she said, oh, we go to church. I said, oh, wow, can I come to church with you? And she goes, yeah, I'll ask my mum. And so she said, mum said, yes, you can come to church with us this Sunday. I was so excited. I went home and my mum was a dressmaker. And I said to mum, you have to make me the prettiest dress, the prettiest, I want a pink frilly dress. I need those white frilly socks. I need those party shoes. You know how we used to dress in that day, right? Some of you still dress your kids that way. I wish mine did, but though they wear jeans and hats and stuff. But now here I am, I'm in my beautiful dress. Mum's made for me overnight. 
And I said to mum, I'm going to church because I'm going to meet God today. And my mum says, yeah, can't, right, whatever. And dad's going, oh, don't bring him back here, you know, sort of thing. But off I went to church with my little family, this little family. <clears throat> I had no idea what church meant or what it was. I had not been inside a church I didn't know what it would look like or what I was supposed to do or who I was supposed to be. I just knew I was going to meet God and that's all that mattered to me as an eight-year-old child. And so I sat down and it was a type of church where they didn't speak in English and they spoke in Latin and they did this thing with this incense and they did all kinds of stuff and I'm just like, I'm going to meet God. That's all I could think. I didn't understand anything they were doing. Then all the congregation started to get up and they started to walk down the aisle and they were kneeling down in front of this priest and he was giving them communion. I didn't know what it was. He's putting bread in their mouth and giving them a drink, real wine, by the way, uh, for an eight-year-old child. And, uh, And this family came down the front and I walked behind them in my pink dress, just like, I'm going to meet God, I'm going to meet God, I'm going to meet God. And they kneeled down. He gave them communion. He did some sort of blessing with the holy water. I don't know. And then I knelt down and I looked up at him. It's like, are you going to introduce me to God? And he looked down at me and with a very, very loud voice, Are you a Catholic? And I went, I don't know. And I started to cry. And he said, out, in front of the whole church. Well, because of the things that I had suffered as a child, I thought God didn't like little girls like me, that he could see what others had done to me and therefore I wasn't worthy of coming into his presence. And so I never sought God again. People would, I would see it around, I would hear around just little whispers. But in show business, no one talked about Jesus. No one talked about, there wasn't a Christian music like there is now. It was like you were this world and you were in that world. And if you were in that world, you never heard about that world, right? And so this little eight-year-old girl shriveled up and died inside of me. She just died. I died. And so because I was in show business, I could put this mask on where I could portray an image which wasn't me. Who understands that? You think all those people in show business, they've got their lives made out, mate, they're miserable. Because we get on stage and we know how to step into an image that we've created for ourselves. And we become the worship the ones that people worship, right? And that's what we're taught. Make them love you. Make them worship you. And so here I am singing to thousands of people, recording contracts happening, driving around in limousines, and every day I go home to my hotel room after that show alone and cry myself to sleep without tears because I was that dead that no tears would come out. This one particular night, I'd been so harassed by 
I've been so harassed by evil things and demonic things and nightmares and night terrors. And my whole life had been like that, fear. And this one particular night, these demonic spirit came into my room. I mean, I could always see, even as a child, I could see. And this spirit says to me, I have been with you many years, but I have to leave because the master commands me to leave. Now, I don't know who the heck the master he's talking about, but you can imagine who the master was. Huh? The master. He said, but we will be back and I will bring seven more evil and we will inhabit your house. Didn't have a clue what he was talking about, quoting scripture to me. And so I got in a fetal position on this bed, afraid again. The eight-year-old child inside of me quivering, all of me quivering, every, every minute of my life inside of me quivering with fear, the greatest fear you could imagine. And I remember there was a Gideon's Bible in the drawer and I pulled it out and put it next to my chest. And this heat just started to flow through me. This heat just flowed through me. This warmth flowed through me. What the heck is that? And a voice inside me said, Julie, this is liquid love. This is the love you've always searched for. And I went into this deep, deep sleep, so much peace like I'd never felt in my life before. And when I woke up, I felt like there's something standing in the room behind me. And as I turned around, the whole side of this room was lit up with this brilliant white light. And in the middle of this light was the face of a man. He's smiling at me. He's smiling at me. He's kind. His eyes were like the bluest ocean and they just looked into me. You know the word intimacy? Break it down. In to me, you see. And he looked right inside to that little eight-year-old girl hiding in the corner still. And his eyes found her. And then his eyes came through all the years and he found every part of my life. His hair was white as wool, his beard was white. And his smile was like total acceptance. It was like, I kept thinking, you're real, you're real. I don't know who you are, but you're real. Are you God? I haven't got a clue who you are. And then he spoke to me about through the Spirit. And he said, speak my name and you will be saved didn't move his mouth. It came spirit to spirit. You know that's how he talks to us? Straight in. We often think it's our own thoughts, our own imagination, but it's him. That's how he speaks. Suddenly a thought comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it's Jesus speaking to you. And he said, speak my name and you will be saved. I think, I don't even know your name. And then somewhere deep down inside, maybe from that Bible that lady gave me when I was eight years old, there came a name. 
from way down deep inside, I went, Jesus. And I started to cry and the tears came out. And I wept and I wept and he said, cry my child and cleanse your soul. And then he quoted this scripture to me. And now in Jeremiah it is, Jeremiah 43, 1 to 3. But now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers. They shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. And then he came really, really, really close to my face. And he showed me my life like on a ticker tape up to that point. And every time where I was in a turmoil or trauma or pain or abuse or whatever had happened to me, even that day where I stood before that priest and was rejected by a whole church, he said, I was there, I was there, I was there, I was there, I was there. I saw myself as an eight-year-old child as he carried me out of that church and kissed my face. And he said to me, don't worry, I got thrown out of that church too. You see, he was always there. In every stage of my life, I realised that there had been a calling on my life, there had been a destiny on my life since before I was formed in my mother's womb. And no matter what the enemy had thrown at me, no matter what he had done to try and cut in on that destiny, that destiny was found and fulfilled in Jesus Christ because He's the door. I walked through that door that day. He came close to my face. And he said, now follow me. And for 42 years, I have stayed close to that face and followed him every minute of every day, every second. He is right there. Now you need to know that each one of us has a destiny. Each one of us has a book, a scroll that has been written by God Himself. And a lot of it is written in the blood of Jesus. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. And He's been there in every moment of your life. Every time the enemy has cut in on you, he was there. You may not have felt him, you may not have known him, you may not have seen him, but he is always there. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You think that's just for Christians? That's for every child of God whose name 
is written in their book that is in heaven. I'm not talking about the book of life. I'm talking about your book. How do you know that, Pastor Julie? Psalm 139. I'm going to read a lot of it, but we're just going to put one scripture up. You know my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thought thought afar off. You comprehend my path. Hallelujah. And my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me in behind and before. You have laid your hand. Listen, this is to you. You need to read this as if he's talking about you. Feel His hand right now upon you. You have laid your hand upon me. Hallelujah. It's not just the the talented and the famous and the popular and the big preachers and the evangelists. The one man show is over. He's, He's marking His body. He's marking His children. He's calling His sons and daughters to arise into all that He has paid for in Jesus' Name. Amen. And it goes on. I could read it and you can read that at home, Psalm 139. But it says this, Your eyes saw my substance, my unformed body, while I was still in my mother's womb. And in your book, there's the Scripture. You got that screen, Jesse? It's there. Oh, it's not there. It's there. And in your book, they were all written. In your book, the days of my life were all written. That means every single day, people. Not just the days when you were good. (laughs) Not just the day when you became a Christian and he started writing. No, before you were formed in your mother's womb, He knew you. Where were you before you were formed in your mother's womb? You were with Him. Your spirit was alive before you were. And on the day that He ordained for you to be, to come into this earth, He blew your spirit and it landed in your mother's womb. Now, some of you might say, I wish you put me in another womb. But he knew every day. He knew the days ordained for you. And he knew what he would bring out of your suffering, just like he knew what would come out of the suffering of his son. Because without suffering, if we do not partner with Him in His suffering, we will not partner with Him in His glory. He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega. He knows there is a glorification of His children coming that is unprecedented. He knows that we've stepped into a new era that we've stepped into a new space, that the age of the church is over and the age of the kingdom has come. And we will finally say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is compressing. There is a compression taking place 
as the new Jerusalem in the book of Revelations comes down upon the earth. The book of Revelation says there's a new Jerusalem coming down and it's going to land in Jerusalem where the millennial reign will be. Read your Bibles. And so there's a compression taking place as the new Jerusalem is coming down. I've seen it. It's hovering right now. Why do you think evil is getting more evil? Because there's a compression taking place and the demonic is freaking out. It's not that evil is overtaking the world, it's that glory is overtaking the evil. We've got to get our headspace out of this victim mentality into the realms of the heavenlies where we are victoriously sitting at the right hand of God with Jesus Christ in heavenly places, far above all power and principalities, far above. Anyway, I don't know why I went there, but there you go. Thank you, Tony. So we know from this Scripture that He knows me. We know from this Scripture, Psalm 139, but there's nowhere that we can go that He isn't there with us. And we know from this Scripture that our whole lives are written in a book. Do you know that there was one time when I was in the Spirit? You know that the Scriptures talk about that. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. There is a place where you go, you can go in the Spirit. Phil will tell you, I go there often. I went there yesterday. I go there often. And this particular day, we were on holidays with the kids. They're only small. I said, Phil, watch the kids. Jesus is calling me. I know this is serious. I heard the tone in his voice. I'm going to lock the door of the bedroom and I'm just, I need to be with Jesus. And he understands when I need to go into those places. Thanks God for a godly husband that releases the gifts in your life. Amen. So I went into this place and I sat down. It wasn't, I wasn't sitting down on the floor for two seconds and I was gone. And I was standing in the throne before the throne of God in my body, in my normal clothes, looking around me. There's worship going on. There's angels everywhere. And there's a huge platform there with the throne of God. It's all going on. And I'm standing there like a Zaire, like, oh my God, I'm a man. I'm a woman of unclean lips. What am I doing in this place? I'm not ready yet. I haven't been glorified. I shouldn't be. I'm shaking. I'm shaking. I'm shaking. And an angel comes over and just touches me. And I can breathe. And then he said, you're here to witness this. And there was a council meeting going on between the Father, between Jesus, between the angels. And they had all these books laid out in front of them. And they were the books of your lives. They were the books of the lives of the children of God. And they were talking over them and they were praying over them and they were turning pages. And then there were angels being sent. Bang, 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 as they turned a page. Go now, go now. Bang, bang, bang. There was assignments being given to angels in heavenly places. I've never shared this publicly before. But God's releasing me to share some things that are deeper now in this season. And it says in Jeremiah 23, 18, because you've got to back everything with Scripture. Is that right? Okay, Jeremiah 23, 18. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord 
and has perceived and heard His Word? Who has marked His Word and heard it? But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned from their evil ways and from their evil doings. So in this space, there was a destiny book that were written for each of you and, and those on the earth. And there was assignments of angels that making these books come to pass. As the Lord would turn the page, they would say, okay, I'm on assignment. Boom, right down, fighting for you, holding back the enemy. Do you know how many times you should have died by now? But the accidents that you don't know about that He protected you from, He's there at every turn, amen? In fact, the, the Word says this, that the whole of creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestations of the sons and the daughters of God. Ten years ago, the Lord woke me up in the morning. It was right early in the morning, like five o'clock, and the, 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 just the haze of light was just starting. And I, I'm, I'm obedient to Him most of the time. A lot of the time I'm not, just like you guys, whoa. But sometimes I'm obedient and it's worth it. And I went downstairs at five o'clock in the morning, put my dressing gown on, it was freezing. And he said to me, come out on the porch. I said, Lord, it's freezing. Can you talk to me in the house? He goes, no, out on the porch. I go out on the porch and I start to pray like I usually do. Jesus, I glorify you. I worship you. I worship you. Come, Jesus, speak to me. What do you need to say? And he goes, shh, be quiet. Listen. And as I listened, I heard this noise. And then I heard, and I said, Lord, what is that? He said, Julie, that's the grass. That's the trees. That's the river. That's the stars. That's the planets. He said the whole of creation is groaning. And I want you to attune the sound of your prayer. Tune it into the groaning that is happening in creation until you see my sons and daughters manifest. You know, an orchestra can play all kinds of different instruments, right? And you hear them in the pits when they're tuning up. It's all this noise. But then the master, the conductor, comes up and he... He strikes a tuning fork and they all tune in to the same frequency and the same vibration. There is a frequency and a vibration that He is connecting us to so that we can walk out our destinies. As creation groans for us, as angels are assigned to us, as the books are being opened, there is a speeding up of your destiny book right now. Nineteen ninety-nine. I had three dreams in a row. The first dream was a massive clock the size of this room, and the hands of the clock were at ten to twelve. The second night, 
I had a dream and I saw Ezekiel's wheels, a wheel within a wheel on fire. The third night, I saw the same clock, but this time the hands and all the numbers fell off the clock and a great big hand came with scissors and cut the clock up. I said, Lord, what does this mean? What does these dreams mean? What is the interpretation of these dreams? And he said, the first dream, the clock that you saw is the time we're at right now on earth. It's earth time, 10 to 12. Warn my people. The second thing you saw was Ezekiel's wheels, a wheel within a wheel. The wheels that Ezekiel saw, the outside wheel is the time of God, the no time that God lives in, eternal time. The inside wheel of Ezekiel's wheel is Kronos time, our time. And up until now, they have been moving. We've been moving inside the eternal time of God in Kronos time on earth. But the Lord said to me, I'm cutting up the clock. I'm about to invade earth with my eternal time and I'm speeding up time for the sake of the elect. That was in the year 19, end of 1999, just about to go into the year 2000. And we all know what happened in the year 2000. The year of the mouth, according to the Hebrew calendar, and we all got masks put on us. 2020, oh sorry, I'm nine, yeah, 2019 to 2020. Thank you for that, Katrina. Absolutely true. And in that time, the Lord spoke to me about a great unveiling, that He was about to unveil 13 things. And the first thing that He was going to unveil was that which is pure and that which is profane in the church. And He was going to bring the church back to innocence and purity, back to devotion and worship, back to a place where everyone is a saint, everyone is a disciple, everyone is in love with Jesus. He said, the next thing that I'll tell you, I won't tell you all the 13 that He was going to unveil, was that He was going to unveil His bride and that He was getting His bride ready and He was about to unveil her. And that she would be glorious, shining with the light of God. Why, why do you think He's been healing us and delivering us and setting? Why is all of a sudden deliverance mainstream? And, and everyone, thousands of people flocking into auditoriums, Christians being delivered because they've been in bondage to the things that Satan has cut in on their destiny with. He's cutting on their destiny books. Maybe it's grief that's cutting on your destiny. Maybe it was abuse. Maybe it was injustice. So many people outside the church because of injustices in the church and they've cut off their destiny book because of unforgiveness and bitterness. And they become old and cruddy and their bones hurt at young ages. It's time for Jesus to unveil His bride, but He can't unveil His bride until He makes her beautiful, right? Till the preparation is done inside us and He changes us. And the third thing that He said 
is that he is going to unveil himself. Now we know that the book of Revelations, we look at the book of Revelations and we go, oh, it's just really scary and weird and I don't even want to read it. But if you understood that the book of Revelations, the interpretation of that very word is the unveiling of Jesus Christ in all his glory. So last year I was speaking at a conference, just in the bathroom, doing my hair. And the Lord said, turn the hairdryer off. Turn the hairdryer off. He said, I've got something to tell you that I've been waiting 42 years to tell you. What is it, Lord? Why do you think, Julie, that I showed myself to you all those years ago as the glorified Christ? Why do you think I didn't just come as the Saviour, the Jesus that walked the earth? Why was my hair like wool? Have a look at this scripture. I'm nearly finished. Revelations 1, 12 to 17. Remember I turned and I saw Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven gold lampstands. And in the midst of seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. This is the glorified Christ. And his eyes like the flames of fire. You know, if you've ever looked into the middle of a fire, the hottest part of the fire is blue. And he said, Julie, why did I show you myself as the glorified king, the one with the white hair and white beard, the one with the blue eyes like blazing fire? I said, I don't know, Lord. And he said, because there's ones like you that I've planted all over the earth who will begin to unveil my glory to my people, who will take the veil that has been there and pull it away and bring revelation of me. Now we know that the Scriptures say that Jesus is the door, right? And so the way to your destiny, the way to the fulfilment of your destiny that is written in your book is to go through the door. There's no other way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no way to the Father except through the door. And I believe there is a door that has been placed in front of us into the, into the realms of the Spirit and the dimension of Christ that we've never seen before. I believe He's coming that close to us that He's breathing on our face. I believe the King is revealing Himself in all His glory because He's come to glorify you. Because the Bible says, as we behold Him, we will become like Him. 
as we behold Him, Him, Jesus. Amen. David gave us a key, you know. David was the man after God's own heart, right? And he gave us a key in Psalm 16:8. He said this. I no, I'll, I'll go back. I have set the Lord always before me. I'm just going to say that again, let it sink in. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be moved. So Jesus stands at the door of your destiny. And on the other side of the door is your destiny. And we know that in the last days in the book of Revelations, there's a scripture that says, and I saw a door opened in heaven and I heard a voice say to me, come up here and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not yet. It's time for us to go up and through the door and see the great and mighty things that we know not yet. Because I believe that as we meet with Jesus face to face, and we've been learning that, haven't we, over the last few months, you know, how do I find Jesus in the room? How do I rest my soul? How do I breathe? How do I relax? How do I meditate on Him? How do I find Him in the quiet place, in the secret place of my heart, in my room? Jesus, we thank You. And I believe that He's going to manifest Himself in reality. Now, I saw Him all those years ago in the flesh. But for 42 years since, I've seen Him in the Spirit. And the Bible says that we have eyes in here. We have eyes of our spirit. Remember we used to sing that song, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you. Do we really want Him to open the eyes of our heart? Look at this. Ephesians 1, 17 to 18. It says, I pray. This is a prayer like, this is a prayer that I actually pray every day myself. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you, and I pray to me, the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know Him through your deepening intimacy with Him. Now look at this. I pray that the light of God would illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. I pray that He would flood the eyes of your imagination. Oh, no, I don't see Jesus. Oh, yes, you can. Your spirit is one with His Spirit. 
Just put your hand on your chest and your hand on your belly. Close your eyes. Say this after me. I love you, Jesus. You are in me and I am in you and we are one. I love you, Holy Spirit. You are in me and I am in you and we are one. I love you, Father. You are in me and I am in you and we are one. Now out of this oneness, say this, out of this oneness, open the eyes of my godly imagination that I might see you, that I might see you as the door that I can walk through into my destiny. Thank you for the angels that are assigned to me to help me fulfil everything that's written in my book. I stand up as a child of God. Let's stand right now. I stand up as a son. I stand up as a daughter. I thank you that all of creation is groaning for me. Come on, say it. I thank you that all creation is groaning for me to be revealed, to be unveiled. Thank you, Lord, that I will carry your glory. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 60, I'll just say this over you. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. A thick darkness is over the peoples of the earth. But the Lord will rise upon you and His glory shall be seen on you. Lord, purify us. Cleanse us, O God. Let us see You. Let us experience the reality of You that we might walk through the door and everything that has been sent to stop and cut in on our destinies will fall away as we walk through that door. All baggage that has been hanging on to us, as we walk through that door, the baggage falls off. Right now, come to the altar right now as if you're walking through the door. Come, 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 come. I wonder if I can have the band. His name is Jesus. Come on, come, 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 everybody. Everybody walk through the door. Walk through the door. Walk into it. Walk into Jesus this morning.